Hi everyone, this is Crystal. Lindsay and I are former employees of Project Chimps and two of many whistleblowers raising concerns about the chimps and their care. Helpthechimps.org has all the info. We've been joined in this fight by amazing organizations like Their Turn, Do the Right Thing, and Stop Animal Exploitation Now. This first episode is a brief history of our experience at Project Chimps up until the time the problem started. Celebrity supporters and board members highlighted in this Rachel Ray segment have remained silent on the welfare issues despite multiple pleas from whistleblowers. I got involved in a very special um, project. It's called Project Chimps. My friends Billy and Adrian Armstrong brought me to it. It has enriched my life. Um, I helped build their sanctuary. I designed their kitchen for them. That's Rachel Ray, and here's Project Chimps founder Sarah Beckler during the same segment. Project Chimps is a new sanctuary for chimpanzees. We will welcome up to 300 chimps here on our 236-acre property. Chimpanzees are very much like us. They experience the world the same way we do, with individual personalities, loves, hates, desires, um, just like us. And here's Project Chimps board member and lead singer of Green Day, Billy Joe Armstrong, followed by Kat Von D, a Project Chimps donor. We just had such an emotional response to seeing these chimpanzees just getting released for the first time and they've been in captivity their whole lives. In all honesty, what I'm the most excited about uh, when it comes to this project is raising awareness. I'm down to do whatever it takes to, to make this place beautiful and running. And now, here's me and Lindsay with an intro to the problems at Project Chimps. Um, so I'm Crystal. I was at Project Chimps for three years from 2017 to 2020. I worked as a a caregiver for the chimps, a vet tech, and a photographer for the sanctuary. Um, during my three years there, I tried raising concerns internally about the welfare of the chimps and kind of the living conditions, um, have a well-documented paper trail of all the concerns that I brought up through the proper channels that weren't handled um, before ultimately seeking outside help in 2020. And I'm Lindsay. I uh, was employed by Project Chimps for a little less than two years. I was brought on uh, really at the beginning of the organization in 2016 and stayed on until um, early 2018. My experience was I witnessed really kind of the rise and fall, honestly, um, was brought on very early on before we had any chimps, before we really even secured the property and um, witnessed it, the dreams really not turning into reality and, and kind of, you know, going south. Yeah, so, um, I mean, I think the reason we're kind of wanting to do this podcast is to help spread the word even further about the conditions that the chimps are living in, um, the refusal of Project Chimps to address the concerns brought up by multiple whistleblowers, um, and to kind of go into more detail and interview some of the people involved, um, some of the other whistleblowers, uh, to kind of give everybody a good overview of what's happening and what needs to change. Absolutely. And I also hope that this will be a good medium for us to use to update folks, you know, not only on social media, but also hopefully through podcasting as well, so that we can maybe share our, our real-time opinions and, you know, how we're really feeling. Absolutely, because we have opinions. <laughs> <laughs> we do, many. <laughs> yeah, so, and actually, um, a good place to get an overview of everything is helpthechimps.org. We have everything documented there. Um, you can find photo, video evidence. You can find documentation of all the internal attempts to have problems addressed um, within the sanctuary. 
And then we post updates on the Instagram page at Chimps Deserve Better. Um, and basically, Lindsay and I are still fully in this, trying to get help for the chimps and trying to get them their retirement they were promised. Um, and so, I mean, for anyone who's not familiar with the situation, basically, um, Project Chimps is a sanctuary for uh, chimpanzees who are retired from medical research located in Blue Ridge, Georgia. Um, all of their chimpanzees come from New Iberia Research Center in Louisiana. The chimps were used for hepatitis research, vaccine development, um, all kinds of various studies to help humans. Um, and they've been retired to the sanctuary. Right now, Project Chimps has 78 chimps. They're eventually going to have over 200. And unfortunately, the conditions are deteriorating. The vet care is not keeping up with the number of chimps. And nobody on the management team has prior chimpanzee experience, and that's really being reflected in their care. So Lindsay and I started speaking out as former employees and former care staff for the chimps um, about these conditions. Project Chimps, who is funded and controlled by the Humane Society of the United States, then came after me and Lindsay with a lawsuit. So for the last couple of months, Lindsay and I have been fighting this lawsuit. We've had to start a GoFundMe. We've had to have an auction. Um, we've raised, what, Lindsay, like almost $20,000. Yeah, very close to it. Yeah. And the most recent development is that the lawsuit was dropped. So Lindsay and I are back to advocating, speaking out, because so far the, the changes still haven't been made that the chimps need. Um, and this problem has been ongoing for several years. And since Lindsay was there at the inception of the sanctuary, I think you're in a good spot to give an overview of how everything started. Absolutely. So the sanctuary was incorporated in 2014, but we didn't receive any chimps until 2016. And I was brought on board in April of 2016 when it was really just kind of a discussion around a roundtable. And I have to give Sarah Beckler Davis, who was the first executive director of the sanctuary credit, because she took the initiative to build a team of experts to really base the sanctuary around. We had Jess Hartel, who is a primatologist who specializes in chimps from Uganda. She was our sanctuary director. Dr. Gwendy Reyes-Ilg as a veterinary medical director with extensive chimp experience, especially wild chimp experience. Um, Mike Series, who is a world-renowned chimp expert who came all the way from Japan. Um, Jen Firestein, who had experience from Save the Chimps in Florida, so and and others, uh, but she she did a good job building this team, and so I was fortunate enough to be a part of that group who sat around and discussed before we ever had any chimps at the sanctuary what we wanted the sanctuary to look like. The first group of chimps came to. Uh, the sanctuary in September 2016, and those were a group of nine females that were moved into Cedar Tree Villa. And that was one of the most amazing experiences of my life, finally getting to see these nine chimps that were moved from medical research into the sanctuary. And, and so those, those were the good early days. Everyone was working together. Um, it was a collaborative environment. But what was very clear to me from the beginning was that the Humane Society of the United States had a very clear role. Um, they were a huge funder. They were a decision maker. And the board reflected that at the time. With the board, not only were there Humane Society of the United States members, but we also had many celebrities. And that was great at first because they really helped us bring in lots of money that could help grow the sanctuary and grow the reputation and start bringing in those donors that are so essential to keep 
the sanctuary running. So we had Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day and Kat Von D and they came out to visit and volunteer. And that was great. However, that transitioned into celebrities also taking positions on the board of directors. And while that is great for fundraising, that's not the best for decision-making because celebrities are wonderful for uh, the public and uh, you know public appearance, but they're not great at making the decisions in the best interest of the chimps or in the best interest of the staff members. And that's still an issue that's present today is the board makeup. Right. Um, and so I remember like back in late 2016, I was actually drawn to Project Chimps because of the social media posts, which I know you were in charge of at the time. Um, I had just moved to the area and it was very, very clear from the Project Chimps social media that everyone there was totally devoted to the chimps. Um, and I was just so inspired by that. Like you could really, you could look at the Facebook page every day and see like the love and respect that they had for the chimp residents. And it just made me want to learn more about them. And it made me want to be part of that team. And that's the whole reason that I applied was solely based on um, the social media posts and um, what it conveyed. And so I really think, like you said in the beginning, everyone was on the right track. Absolutely. Yeah. Things started to go downhill. In my opinion, the start of that was two whistleblowers who were on staff raised concerns that they had to the board of directors about many different things, um, chimp care and infrastructure and how things were being organized at the sanctuary. And instead of leadership looking at those concerns and taking them seriously and reflecting and seeing what could be done to change and make it best for everybody, workers and chimps included. Um, Jess Hartle, the sanctuary director, was fired on the spot and uh, Dr. Gwendy Reyes-Ilg was essentially forced out. And for me to lose both of those chimp experts and also people who were on the ground every single day truly dedicated to the mission of the organization that was heartbreaking and I think was was one of the beginning signs that things were not going as well as they should have at that point. Right. And this was late 2016. And I think November is when Jess and Gwendy sent a letter to the board. And then December is when Jess was terminated. So late 2016 is when concerns were first raised by the original director and the original veterinarian. So things continued at the sanctuary, you know, sadly without Jess and Gwendy. Um, but then in May of 2017, shortly after retiring another group of chimps to the sanctuary, Sarah Beckler Davis, who was the existing executive director, was let go or left. There was never really many answers about that. Um, we never really learned why, but she was no longer the executive director. And so we were in a little bit of a limbo. The Humane Society of the United States brought in Ben Callison as interim director of the sanctuary. And I have to give so much praise to Ben because he was truly wonderful. Um, listened to all of our thoughts and, and feelings and concerns. Um, so when Ben was brought in as, as an architect, he has the perfect 
education to really look at the infrastructure of the sanctuary and with his animal background, look and see, you know, what is, what is working well, what's not working well, how can we design future buildings to best suit the chimps. And at that point, the chateau, the existing chateau building was being developed, um, just starting out. And I remember talking about it being a group discussion about what should be included, um, and how that enclosure should look. And I really appreciated Ben's openness to communication. And I felt like he was truly trying to bring everybody back together again and make Project Chimps the sanctuary that we all wanted it to be. Unfortunately, you know, I really wish that Ben had just stayed on and, and stayed as our executive director because I thought that he was doing such a fantastic job. But he and the Humane Society of the United States decided to hire Ali Crumpacker as the executive director. It must have been in like July or August of yeah, yeah of that year. Yeah, I think that was in August. Um, and, you know, the thing, too, about Ben is he did not have prior chimp experience, but he was totally like on the ground with the care staff visiting the villas. He wanted to know about the chimps. He wanted to know about them as individuals. He wanted to get to know the care staff. Like he was really, even though he wasn't experienced with chimps, he was dedicated to learning, even though he knew he was there short term, um, which kind of just goes to show, you know, you don't necessarily have to be the world's best chimp expert to come in and, and help the sanctuary, but you do need to be willing to learn about the chimps. Absolutely. And I think you have to have a sense of compassion and empathy for chimps. I mean, we share 98.6% of our DNA with them. They are so closely related to us. And, and for anyone who works with them, they become people so quickly and they become some of your best friends. And so for him to come in and be so open and willing to learn, I think said a lot. And I think that going forward, that's an essential skill that new leadership needs to have. And unfortunately, that's not something that I think we could say about current leadership. So I started at Project Chimps in January 2017. Um, I had no prior chimpanzee experience. Um, my experience was in the veterinary world and in the horse rescue world um, and in the human medical world. I worked as a phlebotomist, I worked as a vet tech, and I ran a horse rescue. And I remember my first day being completely overwhelmed um, by how loud they were, how incredibly intelligent they were. And I will never forget, Lindsay, like the first chimp I met was Sapulu, um, mm. who has since passed away. But when I walked into the villa, he made eye contact with me and gave me like a friendly little head nod. And I mean, I was really fortunate because I started at a time when there were still a staff full of chimp people who knew a lot and they were willing to share all that knowledge with me. Um, and I had a very structured training program <clears throat> because we're working with dangerous wild animals. Chimps can hurt you. They're extremely intelligent. Um, I felt totally confident with the training that I was getting at that time. I will say here that training is no longer in place um, for new staff. When I started, I mean, I was just in awe of the chimps. And it really is, like, I remember hearing the staff refer to the chimps as people, and they would say, you know, oh, this person is still hasn't shifted in yet, or this person still needs a banana. And I kind of thought, okay, you know, they're not people. But really, once you're there and you're working with them, you see, you see what they mean. They really are so human-like, um, which really drives home the point that they need people there who understand them and who are going to advocate for them 
I was there for maybe five, six months before Sarah was abruptly terminated. Um, that really seemed to mark a change of, I don't know, like pre-HSUS, post-HSUS. There was a really like definitive takeover by the Humane Society of the United States when Sarah was let go. Sarah was terminated and been brought in as the interim director. And just like Lindsay said, he was amazing. Everybody loved him. Um, fast forward to August, Ben announces that Allie Crumpacker has been brought on as the executive director. Um, and this is this kind of marks the time when there was a very noticeable shift of being a chimp-centric, chimp-focused sanctuary to how can we bring in as much money as possible? How can we get as much publicity as possible? How can we use the chimps' images and stories to just keep raking in the money while simultaneously not improving things for the chimps? 100%. And I, I do have to give Allie credit. I think that she knows what to do with fundraising. She knows how to get people's attention and to raise money, which is great. An organization, a sanctuary needs that. However, when you're working with chimps, there has to be a level of respect there for them and a level of understanding and willingness to learn. And I think it was shown to us very early on that she didn't necessarily have those qualities. And her focus was strictly on bringing in money and changing the outward appearance of the sanctuary. And like you said, Crystal, using the chimp stories to bring in money, which is great, unless it shifts to you're no longer prioritizing chimp care and education to the public about chimps, you are shifting the narrative to use the chimp stories specifically to bring in money. She was coming to Project Chimps with a background in wildlife rehabilitation. She was an HSUS employee, still is an HSUS employee, brought in with no chimpanzee experience at all. Um, which we all found a little disconcerting. Um, and there's this notorious meeting that we all had in August, as soon as Allie started, where she met with all the staff. We were all kind of excited to meet her and to get a feel for her. And in, instead, what happened is at this initial meeting, she told all of us, you know, I'm not a friendly person. I'm not approachable. Um, I, I, I'm not here to be your friend. So don't invite me to go do things with you. Um, don't have this expectation of me of being a warm person. Absolutely. And to give some context, Blue Ridge, Georgia is a very rural area. Many of us who came to the sanctuary to work, we wanted to work specifically with chimps. Um, and we had to build our own community there. Many of us were transplants, hardly anybody, especially not anybody in the beginning, were local to the area. And so we had to build our own community with each other. And so spending time with each other, going out to dinner with each other, going out you know, for fun team building things, that was important to the sanctuary because that was how we built ourselves as a team and really as a family and as a, as a community. And so when Allie came in and kind of cut those ties, um, that was really concerning and alarming considering how isolated you are out there and how important it is to stay connected and stay together as a group and sharing our stories with each other and being friends because honestly that's really all that we have out there and it's important to keep that togetherness because 
you can get burnt out so quickly in the sanctuary world. And if you have a good, friendly working environment, that will keep people around for much longer, even during the hard days. And another change that happened, you know, after Gwendy, who was the initial veterinary medical director, after she was essentially forced out, we had a, a veterinarian from Atlanta come in who I believe did have chimp experience named Dr. Sapulo, but he, he didn't stay on very long. And so after he left, Project Chimps found a local veterinarian named Dr. Jim McLaren or Dr. Jim. And he was a local dog and cat veterinarian. Project Chimps loves to argue that he had some primate experience, um, but we have no idea really what the quality of that experience is. And it certainly was not great ape or chimpanzee experience. And at that time, I remember very clearly Dr. Jim was brought on as a short-term replacement to provide veterinary care when it was needed until we could find someone better. Of course, what we know now is that Allie decided, or someone decided, the leadership decided, no, he's not a temporary solution anymore. He's a permanent fix. And so we now have, instead of a qualified, experienced, knowledgeable chimpanzee veterinarian, we now had a local dog and cat veterinarian treating at that time, you know, close to 30 chimps who had complex medical conditions. These are chimps that were retired from medical research. They're going to come into the sanctuary with medical conditions that we may not even know about. And so it is so important to have a veterinarian who is not only knowledgeable about chimps, but is also knowledgeable about chimps who are retired from medical research. And that was a major change because now our leadership no longer had chimp experience and then the vet no longer had chimp experience. Yeah. So, um, again, just like Lindsay said, I don't know what this previous primate experience is. This is kind of a new thing that project chimps has been saying like, Oh, Jim actually has some primate experience. I mean, he's, he told me many times he had never worked with primates. Um, but even, even so 100%, he had never worked with chimpanzees prior to coming to project chimps. Um, and certainly, you know, it's a rural area. You have to get who you can get um, in the short term. So Project Chimps had a veterinary hiring committee where they were interviewing um, chimpanzee vets who were coming to visit. Like I, I met a few of them. There were They were interviewed. They were interviewed in person. They did a site visit. Um, somehow none of these people worked out and they ended up keeping Dr. Jim on full-time. Now, a misconception is that uh, Jim volunteered his time as the vet because a lot of people will say, well, you know, it was just so nice of him though because he was helping the, the chimps as best he could. So Dr. Jim was paid, I think it was like 4,000 a month um, to be the Project Jim's veterinarian, only coming on site a few hours a week. He would come on Friday morning and Sunday morning for a couple of hours at a time and he would collect his paycheck. So he was a paid contractor for Project Chimps with no chimpanzee experience. And it's like Lindsay said, these, these chimps are coming from medical research. They have a complex health history. Not only that, but Project Chimps is not told everything that these chimps were used for. So um, a lot of the research that I've found the chimps were used for, I've found through my own digging, through my own, um, you know, looking stuff up, looking for studies that they were in, looking up their tattoo numbers, um, and finding what research they were used for because the lab does not like to share that information. So 
you need a, a veterinarian in place who is experienced with chimps who can say, you know, oh, I recognize these symptoms. This, I bet this chimp was used for this, or I bet this chimp has this background. And instead you have someone who with a background in dogs and cats who isn't equipped to deal with that sort of thing. A large number of the chimp population is positive for hepatitis B or hepatitis C. And they're not being monitored and they're not being treated. Absolutely. It honestly would have made more sense for them to bring in a human medical doctor than for them to bring in a dog and cat veterinarian to treat the chimps. Absolutely. And there are there are other facilities that house great apes who consult with human doctors. Some zoos even have human doctors, human cardiologists come in and do their yearly physicals because, of course, chimps were used for medical research because they are so similar to humans. So a human doctor is really better equipped than a small animal veterinarian to address a lot of their issues. As a sanctuary, and especially as a sanctuary whose mission is to provide exemplary lifelong care to chimps who have been retired from medical research, it's their duty to provide the absolute best for these chimps. And they took every opportunity to do that and just swept it under the rug. I think the thing that kind of marked the downturn was when chimps started to be overcrowded into the villas. After Allie took over, we had a chimp group arrive a couple of months later um, in December. And I think I think things were still okay for a few months. And it wasn't until the following year in 2018 when all the chimp villas are full and they had to kind of backtrack and start adding chimps to villas that were already occupied. So those villas that were built originally to house what, like two or three adult gorillas mm-hmm. um, because Project Jim's property was obtained from Gorilla Haven. Uh, so the infrastructure was already there. These buildings were built to house a couple of gorillas and instead now they're housing, you know, as many as 20 chimps. So you already had groups of like four or nine or 10 chimps and now they're going back and adding additional groups of chimps. And so they're having to put up plywood to divide the walls and you have a one chimp group who has one bedroom and one porch and another chimp group has the other bedroom and porch. They're in really close quarters. They can hear each other, but they can't see each other. You're running out of options for shifting them for cleaning. Um, You're having to lock them outside in the cold so that you can clean their bedrooms. That's really when the staff kind of started to say, hey, you know, this, this isn't good. The chimps are showing more stress behaviors. They're hair plucking, they're rocking. They're being more aggressive to each other. Um, that's really when we started to notice signs that the chimps were not being prioritized. Yeah. So to be clear for anyone who, you know, doesn't know chimps super well, chimps are highly complex. They're very political. They have their own hierarchies within their social groups. Chimps aren't animals that you can just throw into a new situation or introduce to new individuals and expect everything to go well. There is a strategic and sometimes time-consuming process that you have to take in order to introduce chimps one by one or in dyads until you can introduce enough to the point where they recognize each other, they are comfortable with each other, and then they can integrate into these larger social groups, which was the, the goal of the sanctuary. You know, first, these, these chimps are housed in um, same gender groups at the lab. Usually they are uh, groups that are pretty close in age, you know, so the first group that came in 
uh, were a bunch of adolescent females. And so in the wild, chimps would never live in groups like that. They live in multi-generational groups, you know, grandmas, grandpas, nieces, nephews, you know, large social groups. And so the goal of the sanctuary was to bring in these, these groups of chimps from the lab and then integrate them into larger, more natural social groups that you would see in the wild. You know, the goal of the sanctuary was to provide the chimps the closest thing to the wild that they could get. Because in all honesty, you cannot take a chimp that was raised in captivity or raised in a lab and take them back to Africa and expect them to do super well in the wild. These are chimps that are accustomed to a whole different reality. And so when integrating groups, you know, it's a highly complex process. We started to move different social groups into a single villa, which literally cut the space in half that each chimp group was allowed. Um, you confine them to a smaller space, just like you would with a group of humans. You put a bunch of people in a smaller room, they're going to get a little more annoyed with each other. They're going to get a little more stressed out. And of course, that that's exactly what happens with chimps. And then a lot of them had only been in social groups with the individuals that they knew. And so that is a very stressful time. And so when you're cramming all of these chimps into the same space, that's going to increase your stress behaviors. And it also cuts down on the time and space that caregivers have to, like Crystal said, clean the enclosure properly, feed everybody with enough time, and provide enough enrichment and quality time with those chimps. So yeah, these these villas that are referred to there, I can't remember the square footage. I think it's like 2,000 square feet, um, roughly the size of an average size house. Before Allie took over, each of those buildings about the size of a house housed nine or 10 chimps, um, give or take. The groups are all different numbers. Um, and so they essentially, they had plenty of room to come together and to get apart as many times as they needed to throughout the day. If they were if they were squabbling, they had plenty of room to get away from one another or they could all pile on top of each other and have a grooming session. So essentially they had two bedrooms, indoor climate controlled, and they had two porches, which are like, a, at the time the porches had mulch. So they had like a natural substrate on the floor and they could look out into the habitat. Um, plenty of room to do their own thing or to be together as much as they wanted to. So we didn't see too many stress behaviors at that time, although there were hints of it even then. Um, so when these second groups had to be crammed into those villas, these chimps who had previously had a whole building to themselves got pushed over to, to one half of the building. So instead of two bedrooms, two porches, they have one bedroom, one porch. And I mean, immediately, of course they were stressed because imagine, if you're living in a house with, you know, eight or nine siblings and all of a sudden you don't have your own bedroom anymore or you're you're all just on top of one another, um, it's going to be really stressful. Not only that, but all this all this stuff has come out of nowhere. They've put up plywood on the dividing walls so you can't even see the other side of the building anymore. And yeah, now this loud, rambunctious group of chimps you can hear, but you can't see. So, yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of destined to fail from the start with that type of setup. The idea being that eventually those two groups would be integrated and they would all once again have the entire villa as one big integrated group. But as we've seen, that's not what's happened because the integrations take a while. Um, it's, it's a complex situation where you have to let each chimp meet one another, then you have to let them meet in small groups. You have to deal with all the injuries that come from introductions and they can be pretty serious. You have to take detailed notes and 
mind you, Project Chimps no longer does any of this with their in- introductions, but that is how they're supposed to go. And there was no plan in place to deal with that, to address the stress that that was going to cause and what we were going to do to handle it and how we were going to be proactive. It was just, well, what can you do? This is the situation. I guess they're just going to be stressed. Right. Yeah. There was no thinking in how are we going to proactively address these issues when they come up? Because when you have a staff that is knowledgeable about chimps and especially chimp introduction and group formation, you can problem solve, you can collaborate, you can talk. But as you push and let go more of your chimp experts, there's going to be less people there who can really shed light on what should be done and what could be done to reduce those stress behaviors and aggression and any anything else that came up. There have been so many chimps who whose personalities have changed because of their group introductions, the process, or just being with other chimps that maybe they're not getting along with. You know, I, I hate to hear about how Quentin has changed because when I think of Quentin, the Quentin I know was a happy goofball, you know, was, you know, higher, higher ranking or middle ranking, you know, he definitely wasn't alpha male, but he had buddies that were. And to hear stories of how he is now, he's a different person. And I think that's because of how they, how the sanctuary, how the organization has mishandled putting these groups together. And I understand, you know, the infrastructure was in place as it is, and there's pressure from the lab and probably from HSUS saying, listen, you need to get these chimps in as fast as you can. But is it really worth harming the mental and physical health of the chimps who are already at the sanctuary just to get more chimps in, especially when we know the quality of care that they were receiving at the lab. These are chimps that are no longer being used in medical research. It is federally illegal to use chimps in medical research. And as good as, you know, it's so important for chimps that have been retired from medical research to experience sanctuary. But I think part of our argument is you know, is this truly sanctuary for them at this point? Are we acting in their best interests? Yeah, and I think that's kind of something that Lindsay and I have talked about a lot is we don't want to come out of out of this as, you know, well, they're just, they're pro-lab and they're, they're, they're for keeping the chimps in the labs. Um, or for the lab side to say, you know, well, they're just animal rights crazy people. I mean, it's, something that that has become painfully obvious throughout all of this and dealing with the lawsuit and dealing with this whole public thing is that these chimps are considered game pieces in this in in this whole situation for a lot of people and a lot of organizations and they're using the chimps to further their argument sure it would be great to move them to sanctuaries and the idea of it is wonderful having them roam in a forested habitat like project chimps says but then when you see the reality they're actually getting less frequent outdoor access than they had at the lab they're getting less veterinary care than they did at the lab. And they're leaving caregivers at the lab who have worked with them. Some of these chimps had the same caregiver for decades. And they're leaving them behind and coming to Project Chimps where they have a caregiver who's never worked with chimps before. So, sure, let's retire them to sanctuaries. I know Lindsay and I are definitely for that. But it has to be done in the right way. And right now it's not. Absolutely. And there are so many 
other sanctuaries in, in the United States, Center for Great Apes, I did an internship there. I can speak firsthand as to how amazing that sanctuary is. There are sanctuaries in the United States that are doing wonderful work that are prioritizing their great ape care. However, from what we've seen at Project Chimps, we can say that that is not taking place at the sanctuary right now. And, and our only hope with all of this is to raise awareness and to put pressure on Project Chimps and the Humane Society of the United States to do the right thing. There is no lack of money. That is certainly not the issue. It's how they're spending the money. Right. And something a lot of commenters have said on social media is, well, does Project Chimps just not have the money? Is that the problem? Maybe they're trying and they just can't afford to provide this care. That is definitely not the case. Um, if you pull up, you can go to the Humane Society's website. Uh, their financial records are public. You can see that the uh, Humane Society of the United States is a direct controlling entity of Project Chimps. They give them millions of dollars in funding. Where is that money going? Because it's not being spent on the chimps in the way that it needs to be. Um, during the time that Lindsay and I were there, we saw uh, a decline in care, including, you know, the porches. They used to have mulch, which is a nat nice natural substrate on the floor. You could hide forage in it. The chimps could, um, could spend the whole afternoon going through the mulch looking for nuts and seeds, just like they, you know, similar to what they would do in the wild. When Allie took over, HSUS really took over, um, all the mulch was taken out. So now, you know, look at Project Jim's social media posts, all the recent posts, the floors are bare concrete. Now, a lot of facilities housing primates have bare concrete enclosures, but they also have daily outdoor access. So they can go out into the grass anytime they want to. Whereas Project Chimps residents, they're only going out every third day for a few hours at a time, but the majority of their life is spent in those concrete enclosures with nothing natural to walk on. So the funding is there. It's just not being directed in the right way. Exactly. And there's also been a huge change in the enrichment program, if we can even call it an enrichment program. Chimps are highly intelligent animals. You know, I honestly, after working with them, I think they're a lot smarter than some people that I know. Mm -hmm. And so enrichment is so important to stimulate them intellectually, to keep them, to reduce them from engaging in, you know, stress behaviors or abnormal behaviors or even aggressive behaviors. And so enrichment is so important. If you look at Project Chimp's social media, you will see the same enrichment being put out all the times. So it's cardboard boxes, it's plastic toys, and it's stuffed animals. Now, when I was, you know, on staff and about to make the decision to leave staff, I remember very clearly Allie saying that we were no longer going to provide the chimps with stuffed animals. Anything with a face was not going to be provided, even though those are some of the chimps' favorite enrichment. I remember Latricia's group, who was in Cedar Tree Villa at the time, they loved to get baby dolls. And we have so, you know, Crystal, I know you have so many adorable photos of Latricia with her baby doll head. Yeah. Um, and, and they love that enrichment, but it was their joy was not prioritized over how this would look on social media. And so the enrichment program changed from what could benefit the chimps intellectually and what could bring them joy and happiness to what looks best in a photo for social media. And really, and it's not just like taking away a piece of enrichment that the chimps kind of like. I mean, Latricia was known for her baby dolls <laughs> and she would she would always remove the head and weave something <laughs> through the head and through the eyes of the the doll head. So yeah, it was a little it was a little morbid and a little creepy. <laughs> but 
it's what she loved to do. And she was known for her weaving and she would sometimes weave blankets through these baby doll heads in such an intricate way that we couldn't even get them out to clean. Like it would be so tightly knotted up, but it was time consuming for her and she liked doing it. And sure, we're not going to take a picture of that and post it on social media, <laughs> with, you know, a baby, an eyeless baby doll head with blankets through its eyes. But to completely take that away from them and something that they enjoy doing and something that occupies their time. It's just, yeah, it's one way that highlights the shift in what, what the chimps enjoy and what's best for them to what can we promote on social media. And I think it would have been different if all of this promotion and all of this fundraising resulted in all of these improvements for the chimps. And we could say, well, yeah, we don't really like these changes, but look at all the money we're bringing in and look at all the great things they're doing with this money. We weren't seeing that. In fact, we're seeing a decline in care. So there were no, as far as we could tell, there were no positive effects of that fundraising on the chimps who live there. So there are so many issues in place right now. And I hope that we can use this platform to shed light on on those issues and, and dive more in depth in those and try to advocate even more for our chimp friends, because that's really all that we want to do. And there is a lot more information on the helpthechimps.org website that kind of has like a timeline and links it all out and has all the documentation of the original whistleblowers in 2016, if you want to get into all that. Um, But that's kind of like a, as brief as we can make it overview of what got us to present day, um, which we'll be covering in the future. You can also check us out on Instagram at chimps deserve better. And if you have any specific questions for us or anything that you want to hear about, you can email us at chimpsdeservebetter at gmail.com. So to round out this episode, we thought that we could tell a little story about our chimp friends just to kind of leave, leave us on a good note. Um, and it's no secret that one of my closest chimp friends is Latricia, and she was the alpha female of the Cedar Tree Villa group uh, when, when I was there. And she is an amazing individual, very caring. As the alpha female, she is an amazing mediator between chimps. You know, squabbles and disagreements can break out all the time, but she is amazing at breaking that up in a calm way. And one of the things that really stuck out to me is one of her group members, her name is Genesis, who, you know, it's so hard to describe what she goes through because I don't really even know if there's a human equivalent that we can give an example of, but Genesis will have these episodes where she um, can start to scream, can even almost seem like she's hurting herself. Um, But there was one instance when Genesis was having an episode and Latricia just stayed by her side the whole time. And, you know, she didn't touch her or try to make her stop, but she just sat by her and made sure to defend her and protect her when other group members were, you know, getting a little rowdy. And Genesis, she'd usually focus, uh, like fixate on a, on a certain item or usually a blanket during these episodes. And so Genesis uh, had a blanket that she was really um, fussing over at that time. And so eventually Genesis, you know, calmed down. She stopped screaming. She, you know, sat down and and just kind of chilled out for a little bit. And um, I I saw Latricia with that same blanket later that evening, sitting with it and methodically ripping it up and just laying the pieces in front of her. And I just thought that that was so profound to me that she would – 
make the connection that maybe Genesis was upset over this blanket and as the alpha female took it upon herself to destroy it and to make sure that, you know, that wouldn't be around to hurt Genesis in any way again. And I just thought that that really goes to show the empathy that chimps have, um, their caring nature, how family oriented they are and just how incredible they can be. So I just really, um, love that story. Yeah. And not only that, but it also shows what a great leader Latricia is because if she were more of a bully type alpha, which some of the chimps are, she could, she could target Genesis when Genesis has those episodes and she could go after her and beat her up because Genesis is making herself a target. And instead she goes out of her way to take care of her and to even try to find what's causing her to be upset and to try to deal with that problem. So I know I talk a lot about Kareem. He's the largest chimp at the sanctuary. He's over 200 pounds. Um, and I was the caregiver for his group and a group of females that were being integrated. Um, this was last summer. So when their groups were integrated last summer, Kareem's group of older males was being integrated with a group of mostly younger females. And during everybody had already met one-on-one, this was towards the end after several weeks where the whole group was being put together. Kareem was doing a great job managing everyone, but at one point it looked like it might tip and things might get out of hand. Everybody was kind of starting to fuss and take sides and it was kind of escalating into what looked like was, was gonna be a big fight. And you could see Kareem kind of thinking this through and thinking, how am I gonna handle this? Everybody needs to calm down. And he was losing control of the group. And then he looks over to the window and alarm calls. And a chimp alarm calling is just like a just like a sudden scream, like, hey, everybody look. And he looks out the window and alarm calls makes this loud kind of barking sound. And it got everybody's attention. Everybody stopped what they were doing and everybody ran over to the window to see what he was looking at. But there was nothing, like it was all just a ruse. Like he was pretending like there was something outside and it needed everybody's attention. And so the whole group stopped this infighting and ran over to the window. And while they were all looking out the window, Kareem starts grooming one of the higher ranking chimps. And then that chimp starts grooming somebody else. And then they all kind of refocus and just settle back down and start grooming. Um, Several of the staff members saw that happen and we were all just blown away. Because again, it just shows what an amazing leader he is and how complex they are. That he could see the situation, he could see it devolving, and he came up with a whole plan. And it totally worked. Everybody calmed down without fighting. I guess that's it for this one. Yeah, I guess that's it for now. And and hopefully we'll be able to dive deeper on some more specific issues in the future. 